Blog Talk Radio. Again, that's 1-800-841-3103. 
the Air National Guard, guarding America, defending freedom. Okay, okay. I can't believe it. I've been playing 4 on 4 with a barbershop quartet. Nah, I can't believe how easy it was to save hundreds of dollars on my car insurance with Geico. Yeah. Believe it, Geico could save you 15% or more on car insurance. Morning face. You get it when you don't sleep well. This is what happened to Linda. Morning, guys. Good morning. Ah, what is that thing? It's me, Linda. Oh, my God, it talks. Run! No, it's me, Linda, from HR. It looks hungry. Save the children. Save them. Stay back. I've got mates. Ow, they're one of my eyes. We're moving. It's called beauty sleep for a reason. And there's never been a better time to get some. Get 20% off IKEA salt and mattresses. IKEA. Love your home. Oh, hi. Uh, hey. Seen on the board, do you guys have Black Rifle coffee here? <laughs> no, I'm sorry. We only carry good small batch coffee here. No. Well, it is great small batch coffee. Well, that really can't be unless it's fresh roasted. So, um, you know. Well, it is fresh roasted. I don't, I don't think you know what that means. You know what this is? This is Masa Lekwah Piquet, which, of course, in the Indonesian language... Oh, let me finish. In the Indonesian language, it's weasel coffee. You just made that up. No, it's been passed through their digestive tract. That's disgusting. And then it's nature's wet processing. Yeah, but is it good? I mean, it's all right. Are they investor philanthropists? Do they support good causes? Yeah, tons of causes. Veterans causes and first responder causes. But it doesn't matter because they make good coffee. So that's what I'm wondering. Do you have any? You know what? Actually, I'm, I'm just going to order it. They make it fresh and yeah, roasted. Okay. Right. Black Rifle Coffee. It's good. Joining us now, Adam Jividan, uh Super Browns fan, Super Buckeye fans, and all around college football extraordinaire. Adam, how are you, sir? Tom, I'm doing good, buddy. It's been a while. I'm ready for football season. Football That's season right. officially starts tonight for me because the Browns have their first preseason game against my old coach, Urban Meyer, and the Jacksonville Jaguars. So we'll actually get to see... Uh, Baker and and uh, and Trevor Lawrence and Lawrence's first preseason game, so I'm I'm super excited, man. Yeah, I, I'm interested to see how Urban's going to utilize Trevor here in his rookie year. Certainly, a lot of people think that he's going to get used right away as fast as they can, <laughs> but we'll see how that goes. Urban Myers says, well, of course, Urban Myers says what Urban Myers says, <laughs> but he's not made any firm decision on who's going to be the quarterback. Uh, this year. What, what are your thoughts around Trevor Lawrence and what Urban Myers is saying with the, the smoke screens and that sort of stuff? 
You can read him better than we. You know, I. Yeah, you know, I think I think Urban. At the end of the day, Urban knows his job is to come in there and win. Um, so I, I think what's going to happen is, I think if it's remotely close, they're going to put Lawrence in. The fans are going to be clamoring for it. Uh, so they're going to come in. I'm, I'm going to be honest, though. I don't know how Urban's going to do as a head football coach in the NFL. Uh, the NFL in college is a totally different beast. Uh, and they, you know, they made a lot of kind of okay moves in the offseason. They made a lot of moves. Um, but I don't know. I don't know how Jacksonville's going to do. I think the best case scenario for Jacksonville, frankly, is probably five or six wins. Um, and they're still going to be a bottom 10 team. And that's actually good for them because what they need to be able to do is stockpile talent through the draft, similarly to what the Browns were able to do when they got Garrett and Baker and Chubb and just some of these franchise cornerstone guys. That's what Jacksonville needs to be able to do. We kind of saw how the, 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 how that can work with team building, but also have like a, the opposite side of that. When the Colts went from the worst team in the league, you know, acquiring Andrew Luck in the draft to then making the playoffs the next year, and that draft pick got pushed way down, and then, of course, Grigson blew it. But still, like, the, the being able to slowly build Which was, team, Isn't he with the Browns is, now? He, he is. You know what? Chris is doing the thing that he does actually decently well, and that is, anal, like, doing analysts of small school players. Grigson uh-huh. was always fine with, like, those handful of dudes from small schools in the draft, and that's what the Browns have him focusing on. So have him do what he does well and leave him away from anything else. <laughs> Sometimes that's the best strategy. <clears throat> well, let's get on into this. Obviously, uh, college football uh, is is back, and, and which is why you're here as well. Uh, and uh, Rick's going to be joining us here uh, in about uh, 20 minutes or so. I'm not sure how long you can stay on. But let's get things started with your Ohio State Buckeyes, the Ohio State Buckeyes. Obviously, I've got my own notes here that I want to talk about, but I want to uh, unleash the reins to Adam Jividen that only he can do and give us a breakdown of the 2021 season of the Ohio State Buckeyes. Yeah, you know, the season starts off on a Thursday night in Minnesota, which is freaking weird. Uh, but the Big Ten kind of wanted to get their their poobah on national TV uh, and really get the, the thing going. And then our week two, we travel. Excuse me, no, we don't travel. They come to us. Um, Oregon is coming <laughs> to Columbus for the, uh, the game of the weekend. Um, I think Minnesota will, frankly, is going to be a tougher game than Oregon because Oregon has been uh, kind of running their mouth. Uh, Kayvon Thibodeau talking all sorts of mad game. Uh, he's, he's a beast, though. Kayvon Thibodeau is really, really good. Uh, the thing is, though, is Kayvon Thibodeau is going to be running against what will be the foundation of this team uh, is our offensive line. They just announced this week that the, the offensive line, there's been a little bit of a shakeup. Uh, All-American, Thayer, uh, anticipated All-American left tackle, Thayer Mumford, actually requested to move inside to guard. A lot of NFL analysts project him as a future guard, um, potentially a future really good guard. Um, and our right tackle, Nicholas Pettit-Frere, who's our other All-American offensive tackle candidate, uh, is moving to the left side. And Dewan Jones from here in Indianapolis is going to be the right tackle. Dewan Jones is an interesting story. He is 6'8", 320 pounds, 
one of the biggest tackles we've ever had at Ohio State. But he's a former basketball player, and he can move at 6'8", 320. So Ohio State will have one of the largest, if not the biggest, offensive lines in the country, but it's literally headlined five-star right tackle, a high four-star uh, guard who's going to go to – both of those are going to go to the NFL, the high picks. Harry Miller was the number one center. And then the other newcomer is Paris Johnson. He was a, the number one tackle in the country. He's just going to play right guard for this year, and then he'll probably kick out to tackle next year. But it is a beast of an offensive line. And right now we've kind of got a, a running back by committee approach. Uh, Master Teague really exploded – or not, excuse me, he, he had a good year, but the guy that kind of exploded on the scene at the end of the year last year um, spelling Trey Sermon was Mayan Williams. Mayan Williams was a Mr. Football in the state of Ohio the year that he uh, – his senior year coming out of Cincinnati, the Cincinnati area in the south. And Travion Henderson is the name to keep your eye on. He was the number one running back in the country – last year, but didn't get to play his senior season due to COVID. So a lot of people are calling him the next great Ohio State running back. So we'll see. The offensive uh, line is stacked. The running back room is, is, is yet to be decided. But the big guns is that wide receiver room. Chris Olave came back. Garrett Wilson is back. That's the best one-two punch at receiver in the entire country. And then our three, four, and five receivers are five-star, five-star, five-star. Jackson Smith-Najigba, who was the highest-rated Texas receiver in like 10 years uh, coming out of high school. The number four receiver is a battle between Julian Fleming, who is the number one receiver in his class. And then the number, the, the guy he is battling with is a name that uh, Colts fans will be very familiar with, Marvin Harrison Jr., uh, is, in, mm-hmm. is in Columbus and plays a lot like his dad. The difference between Marvin Harrison Jr. and Marvin Harrison Sr. is about four and a half inches. Marvin Harrison Jr. now stands at 6'3 and about 210. He stands next to his dad. He likes Marvin Harrison Sr., the Hall of Famer, look like a midget. Uh, but <laughs> he is going to be a good one. He's a, he's a freshman, and he's going to be a good one. So Ohio State's really going to lean heavily on that receiver room. Um, that's really good. And then the defense, it's an incredibly deep defensive line. Um, you've got Zach Harrison on the outside. You have Tyreek Smith um, on the other defensive end spot. Uh, the defensive tackles, All-American Haskell Garrett. And then it's kind of rotation on the other ones. But the two defensive linemen that Ohio State fans are really excited about are the top two defensive ends from this incoming class. Jack Sawyer, who's the highest-rated defensive end, um, in Ohio in a long time. Um, he came from, I believe, uh, Mentor, Ohio. And then the other guy that we waited four months for was the number one player in this last year's class, J.T. Tumalau, who is an absolute beast from the state of Washington. He committed, so we have the top two DNs in the entire country um, that are going to be freshmen coming in to spell uh, two potential uh, All-American or at least All-Big Ten candidates um, that will be off to the NFL after this season. The secondary is still pretty young, um, so we'll see there. Uh, Seven Banks is going to be kind of carrying that mantle of hopeful first-round uh, cornerback from Ohio State, and and the rest of the guys are real, real young. And then the linebacker, nobody freaking knows who's going to play. There's a whole bunch of dudes, but we lost four senior linebackers last year. And right now, it's kind of up in the air as to who's going to fill that void. So if I'm, if I'm an Ohio State fan, 
The thing that I'm going to keep my eyes on is how does that linebacker room develop? In the national championship game against Alabama, we got killed on the small routes coming out. That, that, that's a linebacker and safety pickup, and they just killed us with it. So if they can shore that up with some of these young pups, we got a really good shot at getting back to the playoffs uh, and hopefully back to the national championship stage. Well, I'll tell you what, college football power rankings, big, the Big Ten is chock full of talent. But my question is, and you know, I'm an IU guy, and I, I'll give the props where Ohio State gets it. They certainly know how to get it. Then I wonder if anybody can actually beat Ohio State. It's been almost three years since Ohio State's lost to a Big Ten opponent, and that was a 49-20 shocker against Purdue October 20th, 2018. It's been a decade since the Buckeyes, Buckeyes have lost last season was more than one loss in conference play. Uh, I mean, we think about the – in college football, we think about the power four. Obviously, Ohio State, Alabama, Clemson, and Oklahoma, and the Buckeyes. Uh, when I said Oklahoma State, sorry, and the Buckeyes, too many OSUs going around here. Uh, I have a case of really being in the most dominant regular season uh, that any of them had since uh, 2012. But we look at, at – to get back to this year's college football playoffs, and, and it's going to look a little bit different this year. Get your thoughts on that as well. Uh, and play for the program's first national titles and have a good opportunity, I guess, since two, uh, 2014 to get a national title. But you're going to have to get past Oregon, Penn State, and the winner of the Big uh, Ten West Division, which have two rivals more than capable of pulling up an upset on any single Saturday in December. Uh, and so let's talk a little bit about uh, some of your opponents who – who could who could cause uh, chaos? And on this show, we like to root for chaos in the Ohio State uh, playoff uh, run and championship run. Let's talk about Penn State, overlooked and undervalued after struggling during the pandemic season. But I think you got you can't take your eyes off the Nittany Lions. Yeah, Penn, Penn State's always Penn State has been a tougher out for us as a rival than that team up north. Uh, I'm not remotely worried about the uh, the Harbaugh fighting khakis uh, because they fold just as easily as a pair of pants. Um, Penn State, Penn State's interesting. The tough thing about Penn State is, yeah, Penn State, uh, they had several players opt out because of COVID. They also had uh, a, a, just a, a really kind of tough go. A lot of teams – there were several teams kind of in the Big Ten that just never seemed to, with the start and stop of what happened last year, they just never got out of the block. And I think that was the case for Penn State. Uh, Penn State does have talent. The thing about Penn State that we just don't know is how much is legitimate because they lost, you know, they lost in the offseason um, in the draft. They lost uh, Jason Oway, who was drafted uh, in the first round. Uh, by the Baltimore Ravens. They also lost Michael Parsons, who was drafted in the first round um, by the Dallas Cowboys. So it's it's hard telling how good they are. A lot of Penn State is going to ride on uh, their quarterback situation. Um, they're going to have a new quarterback. I, but, well, maybe. Clifford, Sean Clifford is back, but they're saying it's going to be a competition. Uh, we'll see. Uh, Clifford has – He's a dude. <laughs> That's about all you can say. Like he's a guy. Uh, he he doesn't he doesn't do anything really exceptionally well. But they've they've got they've got a couple like really solid quarterback recruits in recent years that if those guys can step up would would really kind of dramatically shift the tenor of James Franklin's program. Um, so I, I think yeah Penn State's going to be 
Penn State's always a tough out for us, uh, no matter what. Mm-hmm. Um, it, 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 it seems it seems that they are they we are their biggest game. Um, so we have to. That's that's one we can never ever overlook. Um, I'm actually. I mean, from a from it looking at the the schedule, I, I'm I'm less concerned, like I said, about Oregon than I am about uh, uh, than I am about Minnesota, and and, and and even then the team that that if I'm looking at our schedule has given us the biggest fits the last several years is your IU Hoosiers. I mean, you're mm-hmm. returning your quarterback if he can We're stay ready. healthy. Um, you guys gave us one. That was a freaking – that was the Big Ten game of the year last year. Like, I don't care what anybody says. That Ohio State – Oh, I totally Ohio agree. Last totally year agree. Was phenomenal. Um, so, I mean, that's the game that if I'm an Ohio State fan and I'm going, where could we slip? It's, it's IU. IU has uh, under – under uh, Coach Tom, you guys have given us fits, uh, and and this year's game. Um, remind me, is it in IU this year, or is it in Columbus? I think it's in IU this year because we were in Columbus last year. I think it's right. I it, so I mean Bloomington, you, you guys are going to have that place packed. It's not it's not like where it used to be, where that would be the game that that IU would take their 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 picture their aerial picture of because it was all red. You know, IU is, I, I hate to say this to you, Tom, is IU becoming a football school? Because, like, right <laughs> now the, the football Shh, program has it. more excitement than the it. basketball program. <laughs> but, no, that's, I mean, I'm looking at it there. That, that's where I'm looking at. Is, is Minnesota game one, you never know what teams are going to roll out in game one. Plus, our, our, well, no matter what, it'll probably be C.J. Stroud as our starter, and it's going to be his first collegiate start against a Minnesota team that's got some decent experience at some key positions. So I'm looking at, if you're going, where could Ohio State slip up? I've got three dates circled, and you nailed two of them. One is Minnesota, or one would be Minnesota, one would be Penn State, and the other would be IU. Well, at least we're, 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 at least we're in the, the conversation uh, anyway, let's talk about Wisconsin. You never want to sleep on the Badgers as they are a legit threat to re- reach the playoffs. And we'll know for sure by the end of September after games against Penn State and Notre Dame. But for the biggest factor, many uh, may, I'm sorry, may resurge, uh, have a resurgence of a running game that averaged just 3.9 yards per carry in 2020, the program's worst offense since 2015. If that total rebounds, the Badgers are good enough to win 10 or more games in the regular season. Oh, yeah, absolutely. I mean, Wisconsin's – I think Wisconsin's going to have a a return to normal. Last year was an aberration for a lot of things. Uh, I I mean, a part of why we saw, you know, Devontae Smith run wild through defenses last year, we heard college football coaches talk about it. The way that the pandemic, like, kind of made practicing hard – they weren't able to make a lot of adjustments midseason. And so when you have a player like Devontae Smith that's been around for a long time, has a really good rapport with his quarterback, they were just able to kind of do whatever they want because teams couldn't adjust to them. Uh, so, you know, we're going to see more of a return to normal, I think, this fall. Uh, I expect Wisconsin uh, to be really solid. Will we see them in the Big Ten Championship game again? Probably. <laughs> And I feel like 
there, we're, we're at a point where you, you kind of look at it and you go, okay. And, and this is thing coming from an Ohio State fan. We're going to drop a game again at some point in the regular season. Like, I feel like it's, it, it has to happen. And so I think Wisconsin, if we were playing Wisconsin in the regular season, I would be more concerned than I would be if we're just playing them in the Big Ten championship game. Because the regular season games is when you see some of those lapses that, that te- good teams have. Oklahoma does it almost every year, usually to like a Kansas State or an Oklahoma State. Uh, it, it's something like that. A team that you should have beaten that, you, that gives you all kinds of problems, and in the fourth quarter, they pull out some magic, right? Those are the games that you worry about as a fan. Uh, those, I think, are much more likely to happen this year um, because, again, fans are also back in the stands, which is, is also something that, that, that it, it was hard to put a value on last year, but it was very clearly seen the effect of not having those fans. So, you know, I think we'll see teams. I think there's going to be a shakeup. I, I know right now they're predicting a top four of Ohio State, Oklahoma, Clemson, Alabama. I'm going to say right now two of those four teams aren't going to make it. I don't know who those two are, but I, I will be floored if it's those four teams. Let's, uh, you know, let's uh, kind of uh, move around a little bit here. Let's talk a little bit about, you know, uh, some of these uh, conference changes, if you will. Uh, you know, Texas and Oklahoma, SEC, how the new NIL, how's that going to affect college football? Uh, basically, talk with us a little bit about your understanding of the NIL, and uh, this is something that we're going to be talking a lot about coming up soon. Yeah, I, I mean, the NIL is is something that, like, I understand both sides of the argument why people didn't want it to happen, but I also understand the players' perspective that we're saying, like, my college is making millions off of the highlight reel catch that I made in such and such year, or the jersey that I'm – like, when I would buy a number one jersey, I wasn't buying Decrypt's number one Ohio State jersey. I was buying a Justin Fields jersey. Did it have his name on the back? No. Did every single person that's an Ohio State fan know who that was? Yes. So I get the player's perspective. I think what's going to happen, frankly, with NIL for the first couple of years, it's going to be a little bit of a, a wild, wild west where you see guys get all sorts of kind of crazy deals, you know, now that you know, these kids can take money. But there was a report recently that the average student NIL deal is bringing in about $1,000 a month. Now, that's, that's different, obviously, than what Bryce Young from Alabama reportedly has, where there's Saban saying he's already got about a million dollars in endorsements. Um, Quinn Ewers, who should still be in high school, um, graduate, he reclassified, graduated early to come to Ohio State. Um, he's probably just going to sit for a year, um, barring injury, um, and learn, because, again, he's supposed to still be in high school. Uh, but he signed his first deal. He's already got a second one. Um, from what I'm hearing in the pipe. So, you know, the NIL, I think, frankly, more than anything, it's going to do two things that are going to have a really positive effect on college football. One, it's going to allow kids that truly do need financial assistance 
that may have pursued the NFL early stay in school longer because now they can have that financial help to send back home to their parents who maybe are living in really bad situations. I think of there was an Ohio State player um, on the national championship team. His name was Jalen Marshall. Um, you guys, if you go back and watch some clips of that game, he was the number two receiver on the team that year behind Michael Thomas, who is you know, arguably one of the top two or three receivers in the NFL right now. Um, but Jalen Marshall left college a year early. He was from Middletown, Ohio. He was raised by a single mom. He left the NFL, He went to the NFL draft hoping to get a paycheck, and he went undrafted. And that, that's, those are the stories that, that the NIL, um, that, that I hope get cleared up from the NIL, is Jalen Marshall now being one of the best players on a national championship team could make money off of his name, image, and likeness and still be able to provide money for his family and, and actually stay in school, uh, get that degree, which is obviously very helpful um, for your long-term future, have one extra year in college getting better, and then go into the NFL when you're actually ready, and maybe his story would be different. Those are the things. So, Adam, uh, you know, just for the novice listeners who have no idea what we're what we're talking about, you and I know what we're talking about. But the sure. way that I understand it, please correct me if I'm wrong. The NIL is an opportunity uh, for students to be recruited and selected to play for a team uh, that is not necessarily the Ohio States or the Georgias or the Alabamas, but a team, uh, if you will, and get compensated for their ability. Uh, to, to to play, but they cannot. Where well, I understand it, if they decide to go with an NIL type of scenario, they can't revert back to uh, the Big Ten or the a, 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 a SEC or the ACC oh, or nope. anything like that. That's that's not it at all. What the NIL okay. allows them to do is basically go get endorsements, go get local endorsements. So, a uh, good example. Ohio State defensive end Jack Sawyer signed a, an endorsement deal with a local Chevy dealership. So he can appear uh-huh. in a local commercial, and he gets a little bit of money. Uh-huh. That's it. So it's no different than what the professional athletes have received for years, but they're receiving it like when a professional athlete, you know, Baker Mayfield, right? You see him on progressive commercials every Sunday all freaking season long, right? Uh, what about the small mom-and-pop places that, aren't, that don't have the ability to pay a Baker Mayfield, but this hardware store could pay that Ohio State offensive lineman who could then do whatever he wants with the money? You have, you have some guys um, that are sending it commissions that don't need the money because they're saying, my family is, is well off, so I'm going to give it to at-risk kids in Haiti or things like that. It's, it's basically – it's purely the opportunity to – profit off of your success on the field um, that you're generating. So, yeah, it's, it's, an, it's, it's the ability for players to go get endorsements for, you know, from their status in, with the university. So what it's going to do is it's going to level the playing field. You know, a player that maybe went to Alabama because they – think that there may be a shot, well, 
now you have, hey, kid, let me come to insert smaller school here. We'll say Missouri, okay, another SEC school, but who doesn't compete with anybody in their conference. They will say, hey, why don't you come here? You can be our starting quarterback, and here's an here's a sponsorship with the local barbecue joint, and that's gonna you know set you up. So if you continue to do well, still gonna go to the NFL. It's not like Missouri doesn't send anybody to the NFL, right? And NFL scouts are, they go everywhere. I mean, I mean we they, how many small school players are in the NFL? Almost as many as there are big schools, right? <laughs> Well, and so you know, what it's going to do, I think, is it's going to balance the power. And I think it's, it's going to allow teams to, to work. Now, what I think is going to happen in future years, I could see something like a salary cap or there's only NIL deals. Like, it's going to go conference by conference of, of certain dollar amount for your entire program. That way you don't have the Texas A&Ms with all those Texas oil people just throwing cash at every five-star yeah. recruit. So here's my question, and I'm going to play the devil's advocate, play a couple scenarios here. The whole reason – now, believe me, I understand that, that their schools are making – we'll, we'll take Ohio State, for example, uh, just because we know how much money that organization makes uh, through that school, I'm sorry, makes uh, because as, and as a result of the football program, uh, sure. several million. Uh, so the, the thing about it is the, the, what they say is while, while we haven't been paying them, we've been given my full ride scholarship, which let's just say the average yep. Joe, uh, anybody goes to Ohio State and says, hey, I'm going to go for four years. I'm going to take all the exact same classes and get my degree as an athlete. I'm going to be yep. paying in, in, in upwards of forty, fifty thousand dollars $50,000 for that degree. Uh, yep. And so they're getting that as, as a form of compensation, and they're getting room and yep. board. They don't have to pay for food. They don't have to pay for travel. So there's that part of it. And then there's the other part yeah, of it where I mean, you look at, the, where you look at the, 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 the players like Justin Fields, for example. Let's just use him as the scenario A where you said, well, they may not even need the money, so they're taking and giving it to missions. So then you've got the other scenario of people that say, hey, well, I really do need the money. I really do need to help my family. Okay. Well, then, as an organization, they should say, okay, we, we can we can build into your scholarship fund to help your family to make sure they get that money. The other part of this, and we've seen it happen time and time and time again, where we have very, very talented football players get drafted into the NFL, get their first big check, and go freaking ballistic crazy with their money buying cars yep. and jewelry and women and drugs and alcohol and then all goes that and then so you then you have this scenario where Tony Dungy comes in and says, Hey, we've got to teach you how to use this money. You've never had access to it before. We've got to teach you how to do that. So if you take a group of people who are headed down that path anyway and you and they say, Okay, well I got an endorsement from a local Chevy uh, dealer Hey, here's what we're going to do. We're going to pay you $1,000, and we're going to give you a new Chevy. Then we look at all these problems yep. that we've had in the past when you're talking about the oil fields and this and that and the other, and, and we, we look at all a lot of athletes who have been in trouble in the college level who have gotten uh, monetary gifts, cars, vacations, and that yep. sort of stuff. I, I see this being the wild, yep. wild west, as you mentioned. Yeah, I, I think that's the thing. Is it, here's, here's the reality. That stuff was happening. We knew it was happening, right? Uh-huh. So, if anything, by putting it on paper and giving 
players and teams the ability to do it? If anything, all it's doing is putting all that shady crap that we knew was happening in recruiting, and they're just saying, like, all right, at least if we know it's happening and we're, it's, happen- it's happening officially everywhere, we at least now can essentially, I think from a long-term perspective, control it a little bit more. You're never going to take shady crap out of recruiting. And so at least from this perspective, again, I think are there programs that want to run an upstanding program? You bet. Are there also programs that are okay not running an upstanding program? Yes. We knew that was the case. Um, And so so I think that's the thing is I think it's going to kind of level the playing field. Now that's where, though, what you mentioned where how do players control themselves? You give an 18-year-old kid who's never had anything – a couple grand a month to just exist, could he go nuts? Yes. That's where it's up to the programs to that, – that's where it comes down to culture. And I think in, in today's day and age, in the new NIL, culture around providing um, resources for these kids to be able to not only succeed on the field, but to be mature in their decisions off the field is going to be now – the single biggest thing that parents are looking for and where do they send their kid for, for their collegiate career. Absolutely. Joining us now, Rick Riggin. I know you're running a little bit late. I appreciate you joining us. Rick Riggin, our official college football extraordinaire, joins us with Adam Jivenin. Uh, Rick, as you can probably tell by listening, we're talking about this new NIL uh, conversation. We're talking about all the different scenarios. We're going to let you uh, go ahead and have the reins on this. And, and I don't know if you heard what my, what my thoughts on it was. And, and Adam was just kind of responding to that. So we've been kind of talking back and forth and talking through this NIL. So let's just uh, turn it over to you, Rick, and, and let's let's just talk about this. I mean, uh, Notre Dame is one of the, the, the biggest schools with, as far as it comes from money being made from athletes. Uh, and so let's just let you talk a little bit about your thoughts about how it's going to affect the culture. Right now, what we look like is this is just going to be a wild, wild west scenario because there's a lot of, uh, a lot of things that can play out when you start giving people money who aren't used to having money. And then on the other hand, do these people that are getting the money really need the money? Go ahead, Rick. It's now legal to uh, trade jerseys for tattoos, isn't it, Adam? That's right. The the, 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 stupidest, the stupidest suspension in the history of college football now wouldn't matter. Hey, hey Tom, you're right about being the wild, wild west because uh, here's what I see is going to happen. It's uh, we, might, we already see it now in a way. There's just no president for it, so we don't know how to, uh, uh, how to react to it. The coaches don't know what to do about it. But you see somebody like Bryce Young of Alabama, he's already made a billion dollars and hasn't even taken a snap yet. Uh, what's that going to do with the uh, not elite players for Alabama? You know, the the not it's not the household name guys that are, aren't millionaires when they leave Alabama, like Bryce Young already is. So, what's the locker room divide going to be? And then, what are the rules that's going to come out on this? Because I could see these uh, full ride scholarship uh, athletes now, like Bryce Young, who's already made a million dollars. Now, schools will be like, all right, well, we can take your tuition out of that. So they can make these guys, uh, these athletes, pay tuition out of the money they're receiving from this NIL. I did not hear that. Go ahead, Adam. Did you have any thoughts on that? Yeah, I, I mean, I think I think what's going to happen is I think there's going to be a year or two where it's a little crazy. 
And then I think at some point, like the the reading, the writing's already on the wall with Oklahoma and Texas joining the SEC. The Pac-10, mm-hmm. uh, Big Ten, and ACC, it was reported last night, are already talking about some sort of alliance um, so that they basically don't get snuffed out by this expanded SEC. We're, we're moving towards a national conference model. Um, and, and I think what's going to happen is there's going to be a, a couple-year period where it's a little crazy, and then what's going to happen is people figure it out a little bit. They understand how it works. Who knows? Maybe there's a shift away from the NCAA to a, a major power commissioner or something like that. They'll get, they'll get rules in place, and then it, it'll just be a thing that, we, you know, that's a part of everyday life. For, for, for collegiate athletics. I, I just I think that's what's gonna happen now, but for a couple of years it's gonna be it's gonna be a little crazy. All right guys, let's talk about some of these conference changes that we've been talking about and let's we'll, we'll take them uh, step by step. Uh, Rick, we'll start with you. Uh, obviously we, we've seen some uh, conference changes that, that are really big uh, stories, especially when, when it comes to with the SEC. Uh, Rick, what are your thoughts on who's changing, where they're going, and the impact that's going to take. The only other school outside of Texas and Oklahoma that I think is trying to make a push to join the Big Ten, but now there's going to be this alliance they're talking about with these other conferences. But Kansas has been trying – it's the only other school I've heard making a push to join the Big Ten. Now, in football, that's not a big deal. It's a huge deal in basketball especially for a team, a, a program like IU, who is just trying to get a foothold back in the conference. You get a team like Kansas come over, I mean, it, it's a life out for uh, for IU, you know, because we can't hang on the head coach with more than three or four years. Adam, what are your thoughts on the shake and bake of the uh, realignment or realigning of the NCAA landscape? Adam, I'm sorry. Well, I, I, I said I Rick, but I meant Adam. <laughs> yeah, sure. I think I think what's going to happen is I, I think you're going to see I think you're going to see it play out something similar to this. Is you're going to have obviously Oklahoma and Texas are gone. I think with the Big Ten realignment, they do some sort of a upper level, lower level. I don't know. That's kind of my thoughts because, for example, like uh, uh, Iowa State is going to be left out, so other Big Twelve teams could potentially join this alliance. And because, I mean, think about, like, a, a super conference, if you will, of, like, some of the traditional powers in the Big Ten. Um, so we'll just say, like, Ohio State, that team up north, Wisconsin, uh, <laughs> Penn State, and then even some, and then even some up-and-comers, like, like an IU or a Minnesota. Like, IU is, frankly, last year was the best, probably, what, the second or third best team in the conference, right, or what Northwestern has done. And then you go also add to that Duke – uh, for basketball, North Carolina, Clemson, Notre Dame, Oregon, USC, that's a freaking sweet conference. And they'll, they'll probably end up doing something like this, where what they're talking about right now is the conferences at least temporarily stay the same, but then two of their three um, non-conference games, you'll have one uh, – you'll basically play one team from each other league. And then, especially if the SEC keeps pushing realignment, it's already set the stage for the ACC, Pac-10, and Big Ten uh, to, to, to realign into a mega conference, 
which would be really, really cool. I mean, think about, like, annual games between Ohio State and, again, USC or Oregon or Clemson or Notre Dame. Uh, Notre Dame, against can maintain their rivalries against that team up north as well as USC, but also then get in games against uh, these Clemson games, for example, have been awesome the last couple of years. Um, they can play Ohio State. I think everybody would love to see Ohio State and Notre Dame play consistently. It'd be awesome. Um, so I think that's the trend of where it's going, um, how it shakes out with this alignment. I don't know, but you know that those three conferences are not going to be left out in the dust. And everybody also forgets, like, while Ohio State – or excuse me, not Ohio State, while Oklahoma and Texas are major schools, the Big Ten as a conference is the top-earning conference in the country, and it's not even close. And then the number two conference behind them still isn't even the SEC. It's actually the ACC. So you get the top two earners, plus you pick up that L.A. market with USC and the West Coast market. That's one of those It's like a slam dunk. Like if, I, if you could tell me I can, take US, I can play USC over, I don't know, freaking Rutgers? Is it a tougher game? Sure. Well, as a fan, would I be on my, my, my hands a little bit more? Sure. But will I take that every year? Yeah, because Rutgers sucks. All right, guys, all right, we've got just a few more minutes here because we've got to get out to the racetrack and, and talk with Tony Donahue. Obviously, NASCAR and IndyCar in the track down at Indianapolis Motor Speedway. One of the, the things that I wanted to talk about today is just kind of those, those, those guys that are underrated that are going to show up in the draft. And let, let me take a moment here to just talk about my guy in Indiana, Michael Penix Jr., the best quarterback in the Big Ten, uh, and he's a proven winner. He's a 12-2 and two starter with an incredible natural arm talent. Rick, I know that you follow IU like I do, but he's displayed, displayed some great anticipation in 2020. Let's keep our eyes on Michael Penix Jr. He might be one of the best quarterbacks to go into the NFL draft in recent IU history. Yeah, definitely, and he's also uh, on track to be the starter uh, week one because, you know, he tore his ACL in the winter. So uh, he is on track, and they're going to need him because I think week three uh, for IU is Cincinnati, and Cincinnati is a dark horse uh, playoff contender here. So they may not, may not even be a dark horse contender. I mean, they, I mean that, there's a lot of places that a lot of experts online think they're going to beat Notre Dame, and they're going to run the table and make the playoff this year. So – uh, we'll see, but they're going to need a Michael Phoenix Jr. Uh, if stand up against uh, Cincinnati in week three, so they're going to need him. Adam, and I, while we're on our homer teams, let's, let's talk with you a little bit about Tyreke Smith. Uh, is, is is really a powerful – he's power, he's speed. I mean, he's a welcome addition to the NFL draft coming up. I don't know if he's a first round, but I could at least see him being a second round, and, and I don't think a lot of people are, have got their eyes on Tyreke Smith. Yeah, Tyreek is, is good. I mean, he's out of Cleveland. Um, he's Tyreek's problem is Tyreek can't stay healthy. Uh, that's that's been his biggest issue. Uh, he played unbelievable. If you look at the, honestly, the biggest reason why Ohio State's defensive line looks so different between the Clemson game and the Alabama game is Tyreek Smith was out with COVID, and so was Tommy Togia, who got drafted in the first round by my Cleveland Browns. So like. You take two stud defensive linemen off of a, off of a starting unit from one week to the next, it's going to have an impact. Tyreek is really good. He just got to stay healthy. Uh, he, him and Zach Harrison are kind of fighting for that DE1 
spot. And really, both of them can play on the left or the right. Um, in, an, in an ideal situation, I would rather have Tyreek line up on the left end and be more of that pass rush specialist because Zach Harrison is a little stronger at the point of attack uh, for, uh, to, to, to hold the line, to hold the edge on, on rushing plays. But they're both really good. But Tyreek is, is solid. I just want Tyreek to have a whole season uh, being healthy, and that's, that will make the difference for him with the draft. Rick, we're going to turn it over to your Notre Dame. Obviously, we've, we've talked last week, we've talked in the past about oh, Kane Madden. I'm sorry. He's transferred for Notre Dame after a lot of people thought Madden was bound for Florida when leaving Marshall. He's a technically sound player who understands leverage and proper hand placement. He has uh, what I call typewriter feet. They're always moving back, left, right, back, left, right. Uh, Madden is a, is a good uh, person to watch to enter the draft. Yeah, but he's not with the Irish anymore. So he entered a transfer portal. I'll be looking at Braden Lindsey. Uh, uh-huh. He's just, he, he can go a slot receiver. He can go outside. He's not a very big receiver, but anytime he's on the field, he's going to be one of the he's one of the fastest players in college football. If you want to uh, talk about a, a, a kid that's probably going to emerge, become a household name, I'll be looking at Braden Lindsey. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. We talked about him last week as well. Uh, Adam, let's talk a little bit about Cincinnati, the Bearcats. I mean, I tell you what, you, you again, we were talking about teams earlier that you can't fall asleep on. Uh, Cincinnati's one of them, and Maji Sanders is a legit speed rusher, and he's he's the real deal. Uh, and so what are your thoughts about him or certainly being able to be, I certainly would think would be in the first round uh, pick for the NFL draft next year. Yeah, I, I mean, with Cincinnati, Luke Fickle's got that program, like, rolling. Uh, with Sanders, I, I think where Sanders has had issues, and this is what we have seen, you know, from from players from time to time, is he'll have, like, an amazing two or three plays, and then he'll just disappear. And he's he's done that the last couple of years. He has all the tools. Um, I think I've seen him slated anywhere from the second to the third round um, currently. Um, a, a lot of that just depends on the big senior season. You know, he has a good senior year. He shows that focus from play to play. And, and that's, that's what NFL teams are looking for uh, in their defensive uh, line candidates is I want to see when you're out there that you show motor. Because even in the NFL, most players aren't on the field for every down. But when you're out there, are you giving 110%? Um, and that's what's going to ultimately – make or break his, his draft stock is how consistent is he at that point of attack of being able to uh, uh, generate pass rush um, and get to the quarterback. Rick, let's talk a little bit about that stud up at Northwestern defensive back, Brandon Joseph, uh, great ball skills, sideline to sideline type of player you, you would, you would use, you know, in, in the NFL the Wildcats sent Greg Newsom off to the NFL as a first rounder in 2021. You got to think Brandon Joseph is next man up. Yeah, definitely. Uh, Northwestern in recent years turned out all the talent, and it's just I, the conference they're in uh, that just kind of holds them down a bit because you got got your big names like Ohio State, Michigan, and the Wisconsin. But uh, Northwestern's always a scary team, and uh, he's a great player. Uh, just another talented uh, kid out of Northwestern. 
Adam, let's talk about Jermaine Johnson down in Florida State. He has got to be the best defensive player Florida State has, and he's definitely NFL caliber. Yeah, I, I mean, this is what's hard about Florida State. I don't know if their coaching is going to do anything for these guys. I, I just – I don't know. Like, Florida State has immense talent. But Florida State players worry me. Like, we saw last year, Marvin Wilson heading into his last year was considered a top 10 candidate at defensive tackle. Like, top 10 in the draft. And he went undrafted and got picked up by the Browns because he had an atrocious season because his coaches just couldn't connect. That's – that's until Florida State gets somebody in there that shows that they can do that, I – these Florida State kids have a ton of talent, but I just don't know where their heads are going to be at from a game-to-game perspective. So it's so hard to anticipate where their draft stock could be unless they are so head and shoulders above everybody else. Well, and, and Rick, you know, talking about Nevada is another team you don't want to fall asleep on, and you need to be watching Nevada because, you know, quarterback uh, Carson Strong is, is a, a buzz for the first-round pick in 2022. Uh, but he certainly loves to, to spread the love around. And one of those love that he spreads around is Cole Turner tied in. Uh, and he's got extreme, extremely soft hands. He's fast. He's quick. He's strong. He reminds me a lot of, of, a, of a Dallas Clark type tight end position, uh, flex position that you can use uh, within the NFL. What are your thoughts about Cole Turner tied in Nevada? Yeah, I'll be honest. I'm not the aficionado on Nevada football, Tom. <laughs> I don't know if any of us are here, but uh, uh, I'm going to change the, change the topic here and, and get back into the uh, just real quick uh, about all the uh, conference flip-flopping and teams leaving the conference. You know, uh, the the joke was, you know, uh, everybody looks at Notre Dame and wants them to join the conference. But uh, if you look at it now, maybe they're the only school that's getting it right so, so far. What do you think about that? You're talking about Notre Dame? Yeah, yeah. I don't think you, it, with five minutes left in the show, you want me to jump on my my thoughts about Notre Dame and, and where they're going to give their allegiance to what conference. <laughs> but I'm just saying maybe they're the only ones. They're the only ones that's getting it Notre right by Dame not joining a conference. Is the ultimate neutral Switzerland. Uh, Thing, and nobody ever says anything about that. But I, I, I like Notre Dame. Don't get me wrong. Everybody knows I'm a Notre Dame fan. I just like to, like to give you grief on the show. Adam, what are your thoughts? I mean, we, we can say Notre Dame is, is getting it right, sure, maybe. But I think Notre Dame also showed, the like, Notre Dame fans, if y'all didn't see the, the, the importance of a conference last year, then y'all are never going to get it, and you aren't ever going to change your mind. So, <laughs> okay. <laughs> we love you, Rick. We do, buddy. But I, I tell you what, it just I will. It, it, you know, we say that I think joining a conference. I think Go joining ahead, a conference would be an easier off. road. Yeah, easier road for Notre Dame to make the playoff every year if they were in a conference. I, I mean, this, there's, that's a valid point for sure. Real quickly, guys, we've got to wrap it up and put a bowl on it here before we get to Tony Donahue out at the track. Uh, but to, let's start with, with you, Adam. Uh, real quickly, what can we look for as far as chaos in 2021? Because 
that's kind of our side slogan for the uh, college football segment. Uh, Rick and I agreed on is, is total chaos. So uh, if we're rooting for chaos, Adam, uh, where, where's the chaos going to be found at in 2021? I think the chaos is going to be found in the fact that, I, like I said earlier, I think two of the major four, the Ohio State, Clemson, Oklahoma, and Alabama, two of those four will not make the playoff this year. There's too many new quarterbacks to break in. Well, I can guarantee you one of those four will not be Alabama. <laughs> Until I'm proven wrong, Alabama will always be in the playoffs. Even if we have a 16 playoff team, an 18 playoff team, a 12 team playoff team, Alabama will always be in the playoffs. Rick, go ahead. Where's the chaos at? Yeah, Adam's right. Uh, two of those four will not get in. And the major disruptor, I think, is going to be either Cincinnati this year or if Notre Dame runs the table, that's probably going to boot one of those top four out. Just uh, one of those two going undefeated. Uh, Cincinnati's problem uh, last year was just their starting spot where they started in the rankings. Well, this year it's different. Uh, you, whatever poll you want to look at, they're basically a top ten team, team starting out. So uh, I had that Notre Dame-Wisconsin game at Soldier Field, field circled. Uncircle that one. It's Notre Dame Cincinnati first week. Uh, first week in October. Well, I'll tell you one place that we talked about this last week, where I think that there's going to be some chaos, and that's in and around Oklahoma uh, Sooners and in and around uh, uh, the Aggies. Uh, those are one teams that I feel like that's a storm of brewing, if you will, and can create some chaos. So I think we we look at some chaos uh, from there. Final word to you, Rick Riggin, before we got to go. Uh, what are your thoughts, any words of wisdom you have for us? Yeah, for Oklahoma, you just mentioned Oklahoma. It, it's going to be their defense. Their offense is definitely going to be there. Their defense showed some signs of life towards the end of the season last year. If they could build off that, they're going to be scary. But uh, we know how the Oklahoma defense goes. They score 60 a game and give up 55. Uh, that's not a good recipe for success. So that might be one of the team at, teams, Adam, that they won't make the playoffs. But the, if their defense steps up and plays good, some good ball, then uh, I think they just might be there. Rick, I know you're. I uh, appreciate you calling. You're driving down to Huntsville. I think you're going to make a stop in Clarksville to Black Rifle Coffee Company. I got my Black Rifle Coffee here. Make sure you guys get some Black Rifle Coffee. Rick, where can people find your work and masterpieces, sir? Uh, just on the Twitter at Rick and underscore Rick. On the Twitter. Well, that's one step ahead of Adam. Adam, are we ever going to get you on the Twitter? <laughs> Uh, pro- probably not. I, I, I think Twitter <laughs> is used for um, politicians and uh, to run their mouths and make stupid claims. So I'll just leave that to them. That's, that's correct. <laughs> <laughs> it's the garbage can of the Internet. <laughs> <laughs> that's right. All right, guys, we've got to wrap it up. Uh, and uh, Enjoy having you guys. are always welcome. Of course, we're going to do this every uh, week with Rick and Adam. When I know you have a, a schedule that, that, that sometime is – keeps you from coming on but i look forward to it we're going to have a great season uh this week you guys have a great weekend yeah see you guys see ya rick reagan and adam jividan our college football segment right around the corner we hope is uh tony donahue from the tony d podcast uh he's down at the indianapolis motor speedway obviously practice and qualifications going on we got races as soon as this show's over um our team's headed down there as well and we'll be down there for the afternoon and for tomorrow as well. And make sure you cover and follow everything on Twitter with us. My name is Tom Mark with El Presidente. We'll be right back right here on the Balance Radio Network.
The Air National Guard is a reserve component of the United States Air Force and serves alongside active duty Air Force members in times of a national crisis. In addition, the Air Guard serves the state and local community in a wide range of capacities. The reason people join the Air Guard is as diverse as our members and includes such reasons as a deep desire to serve their country, money for college, travel, new job skills, and the pride that goes along with belonging to the greatest military organization in the world. I joined because I felt a calling to serve my country, but I didn't want to be far away from my family, so the Indiana Air National Guard was a perfect fit for me. With over 95 different career opportunities to choose from and 100% paid college tuition to any state-funded college, why not give us a call? Call 1-800-841-3103 or visit online at goang.com to find out more. Again, that's 1-800-841-3103. The Air National Guard, guarding America, defending freedom. When you don't go to geico.com, car insurance can be confusing. Like... Swedish techno confusing. Bark, bark, meow, meow. Dance with me, purple cow. Bark, bark, meow, meow. Ooh, you lovely cow. Geico makes it easy. With 24-7 access, all you have to do is go to geico.com and you can save money on car insurance. It just makes sense. Unlike, you know. Dance with me, purple cow. I like your mood. When you don't go to geico.com, car insurance can be hard. Like early 90s heavy metal art. I'm yelling and screaming and I'm loud. Roar. Geico makes it easy. You can review and update your policy or report a claim on geico.com or the Geico mobile app. Because shouldn't we all have a little less stress in our lives? I'm not even upset about anything. Morning face. You get it when you don't sleep well. This is what happened to Linda. Morning, guys. Good morning. Ah, what is that thing? It's me, Linda. Oh, my God, it talks. Run! No, it's me, Linda, from HR. It looks hungry. Save the children. Save them. Stay back. I've got mace. Ow, that went in my eyes. We're moving. It's called beauty sleep for a reason. And there's never been a better time to get some. Get 20% off IKEA salt and mattresses. IKEA, love your home. Oh, hi. Uh, hey. Seen on the board, do you guys have Black Rifle coffee here? <laughs> no, I'm sorry. We only carry good small batch coffee here. Well, it is great small batch coffee. Well, that really can't be unless it's fresh roasted, so, um, you know. Well, it is fresh roasted. I don't, I don't think you know what that means. You know what this is? This is Masa Le Pique, which, of course, in the Indonesian language, oh, let me finish, in the Indonesian language, it's weasel coffee. You just made that up. No, it's been passed through their digestive tract. That's disgusting. And then it's nature's wet processing. Yeah, but is it good? I mean, it's all right. Are they... Investor philanthropists, do they support good causes? Yeah, tons of causes. Veterans causes and first responder causes, but it doesn't matter because they make good coffee. So that's what I'm wanting. Do you have any? You know what? Actually, I'm, I'm just going to order it. They make it fresh and roasted. Okay. Right. Black Rifle Coffee. It's good.
All right, welcome back to The Balance, 917-889-8516 or digits. Thanks to Rick Riggin and Adam Jividen, uh for talking some college football with us. But joining us now, Tony Donahue from the Tony D Podcast is down there at 16th and Georgetown at the Indianapolis Motor Speedway where a lot of action's going on and an historic weekend for the Indianapolis Motor Speedway. How are you, sir? <laughs> Are you there, Tony? Yeah, I'm here. How's it going? Good, good. Uh, I guess we got someone on from area code 215. I thought that was you at first, but uh, are you there? Yep, Tony, I'm here. Hey. Yep, that's me. Hey, Tom, it's me, Ed Kratz here. Oh, I'm hey, Ed. I didn't know if you were calling or not, so I'm going to let you just listen in and, and learn a little bit about racing because really, real quickly, we want to get an update from uh, Tony Donahue down at the Indianapolis Motor Speedway. This is an historic weekend uh, for the Indianapolis Motor Speedway. For the very first time, we have uh, uh, IndyCar and NASCAR on the track at exactly the same time. We were down there yesterday for practice. Uh, we saw Pato Awards get the P1 uh, for the IndyCar. We've got some great action on the track. You're already out there, Tony. What's going on? Yeah, and I'll go quickly, too, because we all want to know what Ed's thoughts are on Carson Wentz. But, yeah, it's been a good day so far. The morning warm-up was cool. Um, the field, all 28 cars, very competitive. They were in about a second and a half of each other. Um, I got a good, strong feeling about Roman Grosjean today. He's been a guy that has been faster, obviously, on the pole back in May, and now he's uh, – He's in the top five starting positions, so it's been awesome to see all the cars and all the different uh, teams and racetracks and all the different um, all the different um, characters running around here. Well, absolutely, and it was really fun to, to be out there right yesterday, and and it's it's good to see the track open. I saw a lot of fans. Thank I, I look for a lot a lot more fans to be there today. Uh, and, and, of course, uh, tomorrow, and a lot of great improvements out there at the Indianapolis Motor Speedway. Tony, one of my favorites has got to be that they paved the media lot. Oh, well, that and, I mean, look, you couldn't ask for, <laughs> you couldn't ask for any uh, better weather than what we have right now. I mean, mid-August, for oh. it to be a high of 81 or 82 and sunny. Um, it's going to be a fun race, uh, all three of them. There's going to be a lot of beating and banging going on, uh, especially when it comes to the Xfinity Series today, because uh, you get a lot of unexperienced guys on these road courses. So um, it should be a fun weekend overall. Uh, and the IndyCar race, I mean, think about it. There's only five races left to decide the championship, and you got Alex Polo leading with Scott Dixon right there, and Pato Award is, is right at the trump of the bits after qualifying on the pole yesterday and gaining an extra point. Tony Donna here with the Tony D Podcast. I know you're down there. We've got race uh, weekend this weekend. We'll be headed down there right after the show. I'll catch up uh, up with you there. And uh, thanks for coming on, sir. Anytime, man. You guys have a great day. All right. We'll see you. Tony Donahue, Tony D Podcast, uh, down there at the Indianapolis Motor Speedway uh, to talk some uh, race weekend with us. Ed Kratz joins us now, beat writer for the Philadelphia Eagles and SI.com. How are you, sir? Hey, I'm great. I'm great. They're about to just uh, hit some red zone drills here. I'm out at Eagles camp. It's about 100 degrees great. and sunny. Uh, and now uh, we're going to have some red zone drills, so you might be able to hear some of the action. Uh, they're coming right at us. Well, I love that. When you call us from down there, it's a lot It's a lot of fun. I was watching the preseason game uh, this past uh, uh, I lose my brain. Thursday or Friday or whatever day it was. Thursday. I was watching it. 
Yeah, yeah and uh, give us some takeaways. It was good to see the Eagles back on the field. Like they were playing the Steelers, I believe. But what, give us some takeaways of what you thought, what you saw in the in the preseason game, and especially when we look at this quarterback situation there with the Eagles. Well, I mean, I thought it was an encouraging start. You know, the first half was really uh, pretty solid for the Eagles. Nobody kind of knew what to expect because, you know, Nick Sirianni's coming over here from, uh, you know, three years with the Colts uh, as a head coach now. And, um, you know, Jalen Hurts is the big question going into summer. Will he be the quarterback? It looks like he will be. So, you know, it was an encouraging start. You know, Hurts only played 10 snaps and, uh, and um uh, Sirianni's offense looked pretty crisp. You know, the whole actually the whole team offensively and defensively in the first half looked crisp. The Eagles got out to a 13 nothing lead. Um, you know, Hurts only played the 10 snaps. Like I said, the stats are a little misleading. He was three for seven, 54 yards, made a really nice touch throw to Dallas Goddard for a 32 yard gain. But you know, listen, it's still very early. They're still in training camp, and um, you know, the Eagles lost that 16-7 halftime lead they had when they put the third team in. So the depth isn't where you want it to wanted to be they ended up losing 24-16 but you know wins and losses don't matter at this at this point it's just kind of progress and what you see and you know it was an encouraging start I was I and many others were encouraged by what I saw from you know Sirianni and his his young staff and uh, Jalen Hurts. Yeah I'm I'm curious to see uh, how Jalen Hurts does uh, do out there I I guess what I want you to do is add uh, fuel to the flame or squash the rumor uh, that the the Eagles still remain very interested in Deshaun Watson. Yeah, listen, um, I don't see how any team would want to bring him in right now until things are resolved. I mean, right now that's Houston's headache uh, to deal with what's going on. And, you know, now I hear they're putting together a grand jury to investigate Mm-hmm. Uh, some of these uh, allegations. So I, I, I just don't see a team making a move for him, especially the Eagles at this point. Now, you know, it's obviously something to monitor going forward, um, but why, why would you make a trade for that headache at this point? Exactly, and I, I totally agree with you, and I, I kind of figured that would be where you'd go at it, just squash it, and let's, let's stop talking about Deshaun Watson, let him get through his stuff. They're still talking right. about him uh, here in Indianapolis. Uh, you know, the thing about it is Car- uh, Carson was, he wasn't participating in practice, but he wasn't at practice, and uh, it's just weird that we have three people with exactly the same uh, injury. So he was at practice. He was, he was listening in on the plays. He seemed to be very active uh, with what's going on. So Carson Wentz was still optimistic that he'll be back, but it's going to be a while. And this is one of those surgeries where we just don't know. Now the Eagles have been in training camp for more than two weeks, and obviously you're out there now. Uh, they had a 24-16 loss to the Steelers on Thursday. This is a good time to sit back and take a look at the uh, NFL draft class and, and the rookies. Uh, as you're out there at training camp and you're looking at Devontae Smith, obviously round one, uh, number 10 overall. Uh, he's the reigning Heisman Trophy winner. Uh, but really has been sidelined since August 1st with the spring MCL and his uh, left knee injury. Uh, so, again, we go back to the conversation about Jalen Hurts as well. But what, what are your thoughts about Devontae Smith? Well, I, it's, today's two weeks since he suffered that knee sprain, and we had the, you know, Suriani before practice. And uh, he is now – he was week to week, and now he's day to day. Um, the New England Patriots are coming here Monday and Tuesday for the joint practices leading up to the Thursday game. And um, Sirianni wasn't sure if he's going to play Thursday, how much work he's going to do. But, you know, today he was uh, in the team stretching drills. He actually had a helmet for the first time in two weeks with him. 
Um, right now they're doing red zone drills. He's nowhere to be seen. He's probably rehabbing on one of the side fields. And there's a nice uh, pass break up there uh, by Elijah Riley. Uh, anyway, but, uh, yeah, I, you know, listen, my concern about Devontae Smith was, and it was everybody's concern coming out of Alabama, was his weight, 166 pounds. He, you know, could he uh, somehow find a way to overcome that? And in his fourth NFL practice, he gets hurt. You know, he sprains his knee. So, really not a good beginning for him. Uh, you know, now the, the scrutiny is even greater on that issue. Uh, certainly a talent, no doubt. I mean, he showed some pretty nice things in those first couple of days we saw him. But now you wonder, okay, he's going to come back at some point, and then can he stay healthy? I mean, that's, that's going to be, uh, you know, that's the big question, just as it was coming out of Alabama. It seems like the working class, of course, it's not anything uncommon. It happens on all all teams, but it seems like the Eagles' rookie class have, have had their share of injuries. We also look at Landon Dickerson, who was placed on a non-football entry list yeah. late in July, and he continues to rehab for a torn ACL that he suffered at Alabama during the SEC championship game. Any timetable on him and when you're going to be able to see him in an Eagles uniform and out there playing? They don't. They're not putting timetables on any of these guys. So you know, Dickerson has just kind of been out here. You know, to use an old Buddy Ryan uh, comment, he's just killing grass. You know, Buddy Ryan used to say that about guys <laughs> just standing there watching practice. All they're doing is killing grass. So uh, that's all we've seen from Dickerson. But no, listen, you know, the, his teammates talk about him with high regard. That he's a you know a great guy to have. He's a very good personality guy. Uh, you know, and it's college tape speaks for itself, but we haven't seen him do a thing um, in camp. I mean, he hasn't done anything. I don't know. He'll probably start the year, I'd imagine, on some kind of list, the PUP list or the IR list or something because he just hasn't done anything in camp. He's going to need a ramp-up period. I imagine at some point in the season we may see him, uh, depending on how this offensive line kind of comes together um, as to how much he'll play. But he's, he's not going to be ready to start the season, no, no doubt. Well, uh, the Colts uh, have their first preseason game on Sunday. It is also a NASCAR uh, race, so I'll be down at the, the track, and it's, it's uh, preseason opening at the Colts at home. Uh, for the most part, I think wow. it's 75 or 80% uh, ability to have fans in the stands. Uh, my granddaughter's Panthers are in town uh, tomorrow. Uh, what, are, what are your thoughts oh, about that's the great. Colts, the Panthers, a preseason game? Yeah, that's awesome. I, sorry to hear about the fans. I know in Philly those restrictions haven't haven't happened yet. Um, you know, it was there was full capacity uh, on Thursday. Not that everybody showed up, but um, they did have the ability to have seventy thousand in there if, if that's what they were to get. But uh, Sunday's game, yeah, that's that's a great weekend there in, in Indy with the you know the doubleheader you have going on there. But uh, yeah, my thoughts are you know look Sam Ellinger and. Um, uh, Jacob Eason, I guess, are, are are kind of battling to be the backup. I don't know who's going to start that game. Maybe you do. But, uh, you know, I always like to watch the quarterback situation. I think camp. it's Eason, actually, to be honest with you. So, Eason um, over Ellinger. But, yeah, I mean, that's a battle, I think, to be Wentz's backup. And they may even start the year with one of those guys, right? I know they signed Brett Huntley. Uh, I don't know if he's still with the team. Uh, you know, I don't know if he'll even have a role. But, I mean, Ellinger could be in line to start the season if Carson isn't uh, ready to do that. I guess it's encouraging that Carson's been out there at practice and has been kind of watching things. Uh, maybe, you know, that five- to 12-week timetable will be closer to the five-, six-week mark uh, rather than the 11- and 12-weeks. 
So that's encouraging. But, you know, you're going to have to watch that quarterback battle. And then with uh, the Panthers, uh, you know, I guess, I don't know if Sam Darnold's going to play. You know, the new guy they brought in the, from the Jets. I don't know how much he's going to play or Christian McCaffrey mm-hmm. as they kind of bring him along from an injury. So I don't know too much about, like, you know, the rookie class. I guess the Panthers drafted the cornerback. Uh, I think it was J.C. Horn or maybe right. it was Patrick Sertan. So uh, one of those guys I can't recall. But, the, you know, so they'll get playing time, I'm sure. Um, you know, and as far as the Colts depth, I, you know, I'm sure you'll play a lot of their second and third team guys and you'll see what kind of depth the, the Colts have for the season. So make sure you have a roster, print it offline, off of the Colts site, <laughs> and Panther site, so you can ID the players. Okay, well, it might be the only time that we see them. I, I, I appreciate you calling. You're calling us uh, down from the Nova Care Center uh, practice there. It's really always good to hear the, the sounds in the background there. Uh, last night, Cowboys, Cardinals, a lot of takeaways with the Cardinals win. One thing that I take away with the Cardinals win last night over the Cowboys, uh, the Cardinals are going to be a, a team to contend with because keep in mind, talking again, uh, that this is just preseason and they aren't using – uh, their their main lineup are using uh, opening up their playbook, uh, but they certainly look very good against the Cowboys. I, I, I look for good things for the Cardinals this year. Uh-huh. Yeah, J- and they brought in J.J. Watt, right? So I'm sure he didn't play last night. Um, yeah, the Cardinals, we'll see with Cliff Kingsbury if they're ready to make that big jump into year. I think it's year two of Cliff Kingsbury and, and uh, Kyler Murray. It might be year three, but um, I, I, forgive me if my brain's a little <laughs> – Muddled around ah, okay. in the bright sun, as it's freaking humid. But um, yeah, I, you know, I, I guess the Cardinals. I, I kind of watched a little of that Bills Lions game. I'll tell you, the Bills look good, man. That's that, they they got some defensive players that can get after <laughs> you. So, um, you know, that that's going to be you know, if you're a Colts fan, you know, you better circle the Bills uh, in that AFC race because they're they're going to be awfully good and they're going to be oh, a tough out. I, you know, listen, I think they might even be able to challenge the Chiefs and. Uh, you know, some of the better teams there in the ASC, I think. I mean, they're just, they're, I think they're ready to take that next step. Well, the Bills are sure, certainly showed their stuff against the, the Lions as well. Rick was on uh, earlier. We, we, we briefly touched on that in our college football segment. I won't keep you out there in the sun much longer. I appreciate you joining <laughs> us uh, today. I didn't know. I apologize about the confusion at the beginning there. I didn't know for sure if you were coming. We'd already planned on having this segment for the track, and so – I thought I'd just go ahead yeah. and move it there because I hadn't heard from you. So, hey, uh, you know, you, you get to hear a little bit about racing, you know. Maybe you yeah, know. I know. Hey, it's fine. I, <laughs> yeah, I didn't mean to leave you hanging on, on the whole thing. Oh, it's I, okay. I, no I, problem. I game time decision, and uh, I looked at my clock, and it's 1030, and they're still kind of goofing around. Well, not goofing around, but, you know, going through some things. And uh, so I thought I had yeah. some time to call, and I did. Well, make Sorry sure you uh, keep that. Make sure you keep that hat. That I, I call it my jungle hat because I got a hat just like it. You may have a different name for it, uh, but it's got the, <laughs> the straps. I've seen you wear it several times. Uh, keep it yeah. on there because your dome does not need to get burned, brother. <laughs> no, you're right about that, my friend. I got you know, I got no no protection up there anymore. But uh, <laughs> I, yeah, I wish I need a sunblock one. One of those ones with sunblock, and I've got this big heavy cloth thing from. You know, representing my son's college, NYU, on it. Yeah. Uh, deep pass, ooh, threw it too long. Hurts to Jalen Rager deep. You know, I'll say about the Eagles, that was an encouraging thing to see Quez Watkins. And if you're playing fantasy football, anybody out there, you know, you might want to t- take a flyer on the oh, Quez yeah. Watkins. Had the 79-yard touchdown. It was off of the bubble screen pass, and he just zipped up the field, got a couple blocks. But this guy, you know, he ran a 4-3, 5-40, and 
at, you know, coming out of Southern Miss. Somehow he lasted till the sixth round, 200th player overall, but he's going to be a big part of this offense. So if you're playing fantasy football, you might want to think about Quez Watkins at some point in your draft. Well, we're definitely playing fantasy football. We've got our draft. I invite you every year, but I, I figure I'll go ahead and do the proverbial invite to you so you, I can get the proverbial turn down. <laughs> you are more than welcome to join us, It's not the personal, you know. It's not the oh, I know. I know. Trust me, I know. And yeah. I appreciate you joining us. Where can people find your work and masterpieces, sir? You can hit me on uh, Twitter at Kratzee, K-R-A-C-Z-E, or uh, you can hit me at EagleMaven.com is where all my links are, my website. So either place is good. Well, we'll make sure that whenever we see it, we get it popped up as well. All right. Thanks, Tom. Appreciate it. All right. Thanks. Ed Kratz, beat writer for the Philadelphia Eagles, calling us live from uh, uh, Nova Care Center where the Eagles are doing practice. How cool was that? That was actually a total surprise. I did not know we kind of – communicated I didn't have a clear answer so uh hey that's that's the beauty of the balance because you always get the best 917-889-856 has been our digits if you're listening to us on the podcast make sure you hit subscribe um and uh and it you know so we know how awesome you are we already know you already know how awesome we are but we're gonna we're gonna Wrap it up and put a bow on it here as we've got to pack things up here at the Balance Studios. I had taught the Balance Studios in the west suburbs of Indianapolis and head down to 16th and Georgetown at the Indianapolis Motor Speedway. Uh, make sure you follow us on social media as we'll be getting pictures uh, and tweets up by the, the, the race. And we'll be uh, getting some stuff posted on Speedway Digest as well uh, this weekend. So make sure that you follow uh, the the uh, races out of Indianapolis Motor Speedway. If you can get out there at all, go ahead. I'm going to tell you what, it's going to be a nice weekend. It's not going to be mega hot. Sun's going to be out. And uh, just go out there and enjoy, you know, an historic weekend at the Indianapolis Motor Speedway where it is the very first time that IndyCar and NASCAR are on the track on the same weekend as, as we have a triple header uh, weekend. We were out there yesterday for a practice, so a lot of fun there, and we're looking forward to headed it out there now. So, when you're doing all this, have fun, enjoy yourself, don't drink and drive. I, it isn't cool. My name's Tom Marquis. I'm out of here. Deuces. Join us next week for The Balance. In the meantime, check us out on Twitter, T-Balance, or Facebook, The Balance, or online at www.thebalanceonline.com.